the Wildlife Observer Network. Yeah, sure. All right. Hello and welcome to Birding Today. I'm one of your co-hosts, Tony Crosdale, with George Armistead. And we are here with um, Mr. Do you prefer Dan or Daniel Lane? Uh, Dan, I guess. It's, uh, I, like, I like more informal. Yeah, I just, your Facebook says Daniel. And so, uh, so here at Dan Lane. Uh, my full name, I suppose. Uh, George, you want to give him a, um, do you want to? Sure. I'll uh, give him an intro because he's, you're really close, yeah. buddy. Sure. Let me give folks a little, a little sketch on Dan. See if I can avoid uh, embarrassing him too thoroughly. Um, yeah. Well, Dan is from the great state of New Jersey. Drew, New Jersey, right, Dan? Well, that's where I went to college. I'm from Montclair, New Jersey. Oh, that's Jersey. right. Montclair. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. we, Dan and I. Home to the second. Montclair is home to the second longest constant operating hawk watch in the United States. Is that right? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah I, I, think, I think Dan and I have known each other a long time. I, like my first real memory of Dan was when we ruined his Subaru on the beach of Cape Hatteras uh, during the Cape Hatteras, North Carolina Christmas bird count, me, him, and Chris Witt. Um, But then I remember years later, we ended up leading a tour together. And I think it was, I remember, I, I think I was quoting a like local advertising commercial from Philadelphia. I can't remember if it was like Caravel ice cream or, <laughs> or, or something like that, and you you picked it up. Right away. I was like I was like, oh, this guy and I, we're gonna we're gonna be good. We're gonna like uh, we're the same. We're kind of same same age, same area. So Dan is from New Jersey. Now lives in Louisiana. Uh, got uh, a master's from Louisiana State University. One of the great uh, ornithological institutions in the world is author of the birds of peru and illustrator uh one of the illustrators of the birds of peru as well longtime guide at field guides uh doing a lot of peru trips uh some i know some brazil quite a bit of bolivia dan and i did a bolivia tour years ago together um that's right yeah and um also does some new zealand um so yeah welcome uh to the show dan uh, I'm, I'm basically here. here for the uh, the cheese steaks, really. <laughs> nice, had a guy. Yeah, man. So, what's going on? What's good down there in Louisiana right now? Uh, actually, I just I just came back from doing a morning birding with your bud uh, Cameron Rutt. We oh, nice. We, we took a spin around the lakes here at, at uh, LSU, and we actually picked up a a, a fall migrant yellow warbler. And a female perula with a with a young one, which must have, I guess, hatched somewhere re- nearby. And one of the cool things we saw, which actually I'd seen a couple days before, is a female wood duck with uh, eleven chicks behind her, nine of which are black-bellied whistling duck chicks. <laughs> I like them apples. Wow, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. Waterfowl famous for um... being lazy parents. Yes, being lazy parents and dumping their eggs in <laughs> other duck nests that are not their own. That's pretty wild. Yeah, that pretty was. cool. 
Nice. Yeah. Well, you guys have a tropical storm going on there right now as well. well. It, it just kind of grazed us yesterday. We got a little bit of rain. It's kind of cloudy today, but I think it's already well to our west. It sounds like it's just uh, been upgraded to a hurricane, but it was far enough offshore we didn't really get any effects. I was kind of wondering if we'd get frigate birds or something, but it sounds like nothing like that's come inland. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I was afraid you might miss our appointment here because there was some good storm birding going on, but uh, apparently not the case. Well, no, not, not as far as I'm aware yet, anyway. Yeah. Now, I heard if something I get the call, I might take off early. <laughs> right. <laughs> Circling back to the ABA podcast, um, I thought I heard uh, Nathan Swick briefly mention something about Limpkins breeding in Louisiana. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Limpkin was only found... Uh, it, the first record for Limpkin, let me see if I got the dates. I think it was around um, December 2017. Somebody found it on a Christmas count. They found like two down just west of New Orleans. And then uh, within about four months, there was another spot where they were found. And that same year, they nested and had like four chicks. And they've been there ever since. And we had one here in Baton Rouge at the start of this year in March. And there's been a couple of other sightings, mostly concentrated in the southeast part of the state. But, you know, there's been a, these weird things showing up in like Oklahoma and was it Ohio? And I'm not sure where else in the past year. So there's been this, this bloom of uh, Asian apple snails across the southern uh, parishes of the state. And apparently the limpkins are invading from Florida really quickly because of that. Wonder if snail kites will come behind them. Well, that's everyone's. Yeah, we're all on the edges of our seats for that because you know there, there was that record of one in Texas recently, and and uh, I guess one from was it Carolinas or Georgia in the past. We uh, we had one in Pennsylvania here last year, Dan. Oh, now stop. <laughs> we did. <laughs> what was it eating? Good question. Not a, not a lot of apple <laughs> snails up on Lake Erie, I guess. Yeah, oh, it was on the Erie side. Holy cow! Wow. Yeah, but they don't um um. They're not purely snail eaters in they're the not. No, they, well, I, mean, I think they're they may be snail eaters. They're, they're not really necessarily locked into apple snails in the tropics, but I think that that's largely what they have available to them in North America. So I have yeah, like I have a photo. I took a photo of one in the pants now eating a crab, like a yeah. land crab. And I know they eat a lot right. of crustaceans. Yeah, they probably do. Of course, that they're kind of thin on the ground uh, up in Pennsylvania too. So, but I believe the ones in the the Carolinas were at, at crayf uh, crayfish ponds. Yeah. Well, so, and we got plenty of crayfish up here. So and, and yeah. we do down here too, certainly. Well, we, we're getting yours now. Uh, I saw some, I've been seeing Louisiana crayfish uh, around here in Philly recently. In markets or in the, in the wild? In the wild. Oh, that's not good. No. We're going to lose our market. For, might be good for snail kite. <laughs> well, it isn't here yet. So I, don't, I wouldn't count your crayfish before they hatch. <laughs> And in my mind, um, we actually underestimate the abundance of crayfish. Um, I was in Oregon uh, with my friend, and we decided to do fishing in this lake, and he decided to buy two crayfish traps. Uh, every time we dropped those in, we pulled them up; they were filled hmm. every time. And I'm, I and so I, I, went, I bet you there's a lot more, you know, prey availability of, of, of crayfish just. Are, you know, around it. If you're, you know, if you know how to forage for them, um, I bet you they're much more available than we think. So perhaps, you know, um, they could, uh, you know, find food, but who knows? 
Yeah. And I, I suspect George is right too, that there's been sort of these releases of non-native crayfish around the country uh, from, from things like the ones we have that are native here that are, you know, big, big eating type things. So I suspect people have imported them and, and released them hoping to get a local crayfish market going there, which is probably bad for the environment too. Yeah. Northern Delaware. I know Jeff Gordon a couple of years ago went out and like with, I think not a lot of effort cl- collected like buckets full of these things. Yeah. So they are out there now, uh, whether, <laughs> whether we want them or not. Oh, we should bring up some Nutra rats next. I bet you guys would love them. Yeah, they they have eliminated those from the Delmarva Peninsula, I believe. Um, bring another bunch up. Yeah. We could get rid of them. I wouldn't be upset about that, you know? Yeah. Now, the nu- the Nutria, that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, we call them Nutra rat down here. And, and in fact, even though that sounds kind of like a local kind of cute Louisianism, the, the fact is the, the name Nutria is actually the Spanish word for otter. And so yeah. that was the wrong name applied to the rat. It should be called a coipu. Yeah. It's the genus of it. But for whatever reason, the English name that's been associated with it is the wrong name. It's kind of like puffins and shearwaters, you know, puffiness and all that. I, I sort of discovered that last year and was completely confused by, yeah. like, I was like, I heard in Spanish they were calling otters uh, nutras. And I was like, I think you guys have this all wrong. <laughs> I, kept, I kept trying to tell them that they had it completely wrong and that nutria are a whole different thing. And then it finally, I kind of finally figured out what was going on there. And I uh, felt Ringo, you must listen to us. <laughs> Our language. <laughs> yeah. exactly. no, I got a talking to. It's, it's rough when, when uh, <laughs> English gets that stuff wrong. It's kind of yeah. like having the main course be the entree, right? Yes, exactly. It's yeah. interesting because the Latin name for otters is like Lutra. Exactly. So it's yeah. it's that's the same root. And I mean there's there's I think a couple of cases where there's other the change in the consonant between L and, and N uh, happens, but it's the same retained other parts of the word. So that sort of that sort of makes sense. Yeah, and for folks that don't necessarily know what a nutria is. Uh, probably most know what a muskrat is. And just imagine a muskrat that's like, what, twice the size of a normal muskrat? Probably more even when it's full-sized, yeah. Yeah. And uh, they are, if I'm not mistaken, Dan, they were introduced in Louisiana by accident by the the Mechelen. Not by accident. Actually, it was on purpose. It was brought by the McElhaney family, who I think were still at that point casting around for what to do to earn money before they really landed on uh, Tabasco. Um, but they brought them up thinking that they would make a great fur trade. Like, I guess the fur is kind of like beaver pelt. Mm-hmm. So they, they brought them up. I don't know the year. I don't, I don't know exactly when all this went down, but they brought them up from. We're probably talking like 80 years ago or more though. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Uh, and, and introduced them into the area around Avery Island, you know, where they had their property. And uh, they just went crazy. And, and you know, they're, they're from a similar habitat in Argentina and, and I guess southern Brazil and so on. And so they just went nuts here and, and took over the state and they've just spread along the Gulf Coast. I don't know if they're the same populations also invaded all the way up to Oregon, but I understand Oregon has a big problem with them too. So, wow. Uh, yeah, they're, they're a problem. <laughs> yeah. 
they right. have eliminated them from, they used to be all around the Eastern shore of Maryland. Uh, and I know biologists, they, I don't quite understand how they did this, but they, they radio tracked them. They like, they like fixed radio trackers to a couple of them and understanding the social behavior of the nutria, they were able to use these ones that they had collared and, and tracked to eliminate them from uh, this area that they are not native to. And, and, and I guess they really chew up the native vegetation and create quite, quite probably a lot of problems for muskrat, I imagine, and maybe for other mammals and, and smaller critters too. Uh, but it, I, I, I've always wondered why they, I, I guess they're maybe just so pervasive in Louisiana that that's not an option there. Well, maybe. Um, and I think one of the big problems too, is that there's so much of Louisiana that's really, it's either private property or it's just so difficult to get to without having, you know, um, those big airboats and things to get out there into the marshes that these things can just repopulate from the most Nothing. isolated marshes to pretty much everywhere else. I suspect it's a, at this point, it's pretty much a losing battle. I know that there's, there are people who have been hired to drive around new Orleans and shoot them with rifles at night. Wow. So, you know, people who, who like target practice, I guess that's, a, that's a, a great job to get. Sounds like a good time, you know, maybe yeah, no make, yourself, make yourself up a couple drinks, spotlight some nutria and, and blast away, huh? This this is this is definitely all about birding today, isn't it? Yeah, I was gonna say um, we've, we've kind of gotten off topic. Yes, yeah, uh, uh, we have not to embarrass you, um, but we have a person who's had his hand in in discovering more species of bird um, in their lifetime than almost any other living person, if not any other living person. And right. we're like, hey, tell us about these invasive rodents in your backyard. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it's, I find that more interesting right now. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, uh, tell uh, us tell us what it's like to discover a new species. Um, you're you're famous for the the scarlet banded barbet of Peru, um, and have gone on to discover several others. Was that was that your that was your first new species, right? Yeah, it was that that was, and that that was probably the I would say probably the purest discovery that I've, I've had in which case, you know, where, where I was in the field, um, saw and, and heard the bird and knew in the moment that in fact it was new. Uh, but of course it's something that's just so gaudy and so, you know, slappy in the face knew that it was kind of hard not to know that it was new. Yeah, describe it for folks a little bit, what it looks like. Well, so barbets are, um, they're, they're woodpecker relatives. They're actually in a family that's closely related to toucans. They're, they're effectively very small toucans. They're sort of the size of, uh, let's say, a, a rose-breasted grosbeak or something along those lines. <clears throat> and uh, most members of the family, well, there's barbets all around the world in the tropics, but uh, there are several different families involved. And this particular one is a, a, a family found only in the New World, uh, made up of two genera. Uh, Capito and Yubuco, and and all the members of those families are really quite colorful, which is nice. And uh, so this particular species um, is uh, it's got a nice mixture of uh, it has a bright scarlet crown, a scarlet band across the breast, which separates the white throat from kind of a nice uh, golden yellow underparts. 
Uh, and then the back and wings and mask and so on are blackish with the red crown kind of bleeding into a yellowish streaking on the back and then it turns into a white. And this is the bird on the cover of the birds of Peru. If any, if you, if you're familiar with the book, it's, it, as Dan says, it is sort of a smack in the face, really gaudy bird. Now, um, how, how exactly did you just, you just in the area and you're like, Whoa, that's that's new. There's, did anybody else locally know about it? Um, that it was, you know, uh, distinct from any other. Um, it's funny. I'm actually, I can grab your book right now easily. Except I'm actually doing this stupid photo shoot in a minute with all my field guides um, from Princeton, um, mocking Scarface photo, photo with mountains of cocaine. Except with field guides, so which I'll post uh, later. Um, but I can't just grab it because it's in the middle of a pile. Um, but the, how distinct from um, off the top of my head, it's, it's it's some other barbers that look somewhat similar. But did it, this wasn't a case of, of someone not really like this was a distinct species. This is quite distinct from any other barber, right? Did we lose Dan? Dan, are you there? Hmm. Yeah, he's not on. Um, let me uh um let me try to get him back. Yeah. Um on Facebook. This is a new one. I haven't lost anybody on Facebook before. Or on Zoom, right? Yeah, so yeah. Um 